Asia Pacific Currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. All views of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday the 18th of March here on Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Morrow and welcome back Giselle from a couple of weeks. Uh, was it? Was it a cow? It was. It was uh, two weeks. Uh, two oh, weeks. listeners, I'm so sorry to have deprived you of me for that period of time. That's right. And you should <laughs> see how beaming she looks and so relaxed and all that. But we'll certainly get her to do some work uh, well, again very soon. Also, it is hard to beam when there's so much going on in the world um, at the moment. We are going to get into news from around the region in a uh, in a moment. But I can't help but preamble this show with the with the impending news of the um, outcome of the Maruti Suzuki. So um, we'll, we will get to that, but listeners, you should know that both Pierre and I and, and most of our comrades are kind of sitting on the edge of our seat waiting for the outcome of um, this particular um, criminal case. And we have been supporting the struggle since 2011, six years, long time. That's right. It's incredible how time flies, really. Um, yeah. Anyway, you're listening to Asia Pacific Currents on uh, your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio and APC is brought to you every week by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you like to contact uh, or if you'd like to know more about these stories, Giselle, what are the contact yeah, details? Yeah, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms. You can also email us if you've got questions or any information you want to share or you want to get involved, and you can do that by emailing us at aawl at aawl.org.au. Of course, you can ring us on 9663 Beautiful, and we might as well get into the show and I did forget to say that thanks to Solidarity Breakfast for another interesting program and that song you were listening to in the break was Colin Hay, Are You Looking At Me? And yeah, of course, which I'm disappointed we had to cut off short. It was a very good song. That's right, but sometimes that happens. Of course, it was St. Patrick's Day yesterday. And in the second half of the program, you'll be hearing an interview with Jai Unkpakorn, who is an exiled Thai activist about the state of the opposition in Thailand, especially after the transition to a new king. Uh, but that will come about all oh, about 14 past uh, 9 o'clock, so we better get right on to the news stories. The first one is um, we start here uh, from Australia. We're coming on the back of the recent decision by the Industrial Tribunal to cut back penalty rates for thousands of Australian workers. More reports are surfacing on the widespread nature of underpayment for workers. Australian farms have been identified as a sector that uses dodgy employment contracts to underpay workers, um, especially those on seasonal contracts from the Pacific, while food chain Domino Pizzas uses a chain of subcontracting arrangements to underpay its workers. In response, in the supermarket sector, and specifically uh, at the AGI um, company, um, the newly established Retail and Fast Food Workers Union is seeking to renegotiate all workplace agreements, while Sally McManus, who is, as most people here in Australia would have known, is the newly elected leader of the Australian Council of Trade Unions, has publicly supported workers breaking laws when taking industrial action in support of their conditions. 
Uh, and moving now to South Korea, and this is a, um, a 10-year anniversary of a death of a worker in the infamous Samsung electronics workforce, uh, which, again, we've been um, broadcasting about quite a bit over the last number of years. Hwang Yumi died on the 5th of March in 2007 on the way to hospital from acute myelogenous leukaemia. She was the first publicly known victim of what later became known as the Samsung Electronics Blood Disorder cluster cases. Yumi was only 23 and had workers uh, had worked at Samsung for less than four years. Since then, there have been over 350 cases of occupational disease and 79 deaths among Samsung's electronics workforce. Yumi's 10th anniversary was remembered with a ceremony in front of Samsung's corporate headquarters. Samsung's power in South, Korea, South Korean society was recently highlighted by the censoring of an article at a university paper that was critical of Samsung's work practices. And of course, we know that the relationship between um, President Park and um, the the president of Samsung was instrumental in actually the fall of that government too. So Samsung, a very, very powerful company in South Korea. They are, and it's just another one of those stories that we seem to keep uh, following for over many years. Yeah. Um, we go next door uh, practically to China where hundreds of workers at their FAW Volkswagen factory in the northeast city of Changchun have continued to take action over the last few weeks. Their demands are against the practice of agency labour hire which allows non-permanent workers to be paid as little as 50% as permanent workers for the same job. Industrial action among Chinese workers has steadily increased over the last few years, as we've reported before, with now unrest spreading from the manufacturing industrial sectors to the retail and service sector as well. A recently released documentary gives an insight to these issues that labour activists in China face. And now the Maruti Suzuki workers. So we were anticipating to get a result from court yesterday um, by about noon, which would have been five o'clock Melbourne time. Um, the court has delayed releasing the sentences until uh, what time today, Pierre? It was four o'clock Indian time. Four o'clock Indian time, which is about nine o'clock Melbourne time. So we're still waiting on the result of those sentences. But the the handing down of these sentences follows on from the previous ruling that had found an additional 18 workers guilty of a variety of charges following incidents in 2012. And this is where... Um, so just to recap what happened, there there had been some ongoing dispute in Maruti Suzuki. It's a car manufacturing company. They make scooters and other uh, light vehicles in the Gurgaon um, export processing zone. So uh, a part of India, high manufacturing, very few laws protecting workers. Um, then a, a, somebody made a, a Someone attached to the factory made a, a castus comment to one of the workers, which resulted in that worker arcing up and then he was sacked. But the rest of the workforce said, we're not having this. We're not having casteism in this factory. And they rioted in defence of this worker, but also for the in support of some demands that um, they had been organising around for a, a year previous. Then there was a riot as a result of um, some of this industrial action and an uprising in the factory that resulted in the factory being burnt down and the manager 
burning down inside the factory. So these workers are on charges of murder. The sentences that they're looking at are the death penalty, basically for organising. The 13 workers that are facing the death penalty are all organisers of the union and, as far as I can tell, Pierre, weren't even present um, the day the factory burnt down. Look, the, if people go on the links, we'll put it on our website. That's right. Some The, the cases um, are, are very, very slim. They're totally circumstantial. And in actual fact, the original police action arrested about 150 of them and they were all charged with murder and, and whatever. And the majority have been released, apart from all the union organisers. There is there, there has been a massive international support for these guys um, as we're coming into the um, handing down of these sentences. So stay tuned. We're going to do some stuff around this. That's right. And um, hopefully on, on our website tomorrow, we'll actually be able to update um, the, the result. But staying in India, uh, just uh, this week, there was a um, strike by over 130,000 central government employees um, against the government's um, back down in terms of their promises to, back, to pay back wages and against uh, massive uh, and against the mass use of contracting contracting out of regular work and casualization of uh, of public sector workers which is obviously something that affects workers all all the time Moving now to Turkey, um, this is in the logistics industry. 14 leaders of an ITF affiliated union, Tumtis, uh, in Ankara, are facing imprisonment on charges dating back to 2007. There is a campaign to demand their unconditional release. 14 men are among 17 people that were swept up in dawn raids in 2007 following a complaint by a logistics company where Tumtish uh, had just completed a successful organising drive. Unbelievably, despite international protests and glaring inconsistencies and irregularities in their treatment and the cases against them, they were sentenced in 2012 to prison terms for the incredible crimes of founding an organisation for the purpose of committing crimes. So this is a union, founding a union, basically. <laughs> Violating the right to peaceful work through coercion in order to obtain unfair pecuniary... That means just lobbying... Uh, and organising for workers' rights and conditions and, get, and, and, and pay get, increases, that's right? That's right, yes. And obstructing enjoyment of union rights. we just throw in there some anti-unionism. Yeah. Well, well, at least they're very <laughs> truthful, really. You know, they've got, let's, let's don't worry about all the nice, they just say, look. <laughs> the convictions and processes um, breach international law. Tumtish and the ITF appealed against the sentences, but despite all the evidence of abuse of process, the appeal court has just up to just upheld their sentences. The ITF is demanding their release and the overturn of the politically motivated convictions against them. And um, still being in, in Turkey, and again, um, uh, to show what, how the, what the type of political climate it is in Turkey. Now, of course, there's a, a big referendum that's um, going to be held next month about the powers of the president. And um, in um, we've just had news that uh, there's been a number of... Uh, of attacks on union leaders and, and union members who have campaigned for the no vote um, in um, in uh, in February. I can't. I don't actually know. It was in February or January of this year. The headquarters of the Turkish Public Workers Labour Union was uh, attacked by a group of uh, pro-government protesters after Ismail Konchuk, the head of the union, announced that he would vote no in the referendum. 
then um, just a few weeks ago, the um, the chairman of the Turkish Bureau Union, Faretin Yokus, also called um, on people to say no on the April 16 referendum, was the target of gunshots. In other words, he was there was an attempt at assassination on him. He was um, he managed uh, not to be hit, but his driver was actually hit, and he had to go to hospital. The um, the um, this referendum is the government is creating a climate of um, of oppression and repression to um, to try and, and sway and intimidate people to actually vote yes to give uh, Erdogan uh, the, the current president more powers. Uh, and just um, more recently, um, about ten days ago on uh, on Saturday, the the journalist and presenter Kanal. Um, 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 if sorry, the presenter Ifnan Dejimechi was a presenter on the Dogan Group was actually um, fired because he declared on social media that he wo- he would vote no in the referendum. So um, again, you can see that um, um, the climate of, of repression extends to all levels of society, and uh, workers themselves are very much um, exposed to repression from the government. It's just. 14 past and 9 o'clock. We really have to uh, uh, finish up here. We'll go to a quick community announcement and then we'll be back with the interview with Jai um, Unkagapapon. Unemployed? Underemployed? Receiving Social Security? Getting bullied, penalised or harassed by your job agent or Centrelink? The Australian Unemployed Workers Union is for you. You have rights. Find out more or get involved by going to our website on unemployedworkersunion.com or by calling our national advocacy hotline on 03 83 It's time to fight back. A 3CR supporter. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your rights. That's right, you're listening to 3CR Radio, Fabric Community Radio Station, and this is a Pacific Current. Earlier in the week, I managed to speak to Jai Ungpa Korn, who is a Thai activist in exile, about the state of opposition to the military junta in, uh, in Thailand, especially after the transition to a new king. In October of last year, King Bhumibol died, and in December... His son, Prince Vajidarolong uh, Korn, became the, the new king. This transition seems to have gone quite smoothly. Can you give us a bit of a background at who was um, controlling and who was managing this transition in Thailand within the military junta and um, within the structures? The um, transition was quite clearly marked out many years previously a number of indicators showed that um, the crown prince uh, Watir Alongon would become king even this was even during um, Thaksin's time also under the two military juntas and so on so to be honest it was in the minds of people who like conspiracy theories to believe that um somehow the transition would be difficult and there would be conflicts between, say, the princess and the prince and so on. Um, This was never really the case in my mind. They couldn't possibly change the the succession uh, route because that would 
throw into question all these myths about the holiness of the the royal family and the the fact that almost been appointed from on high so in my mind there was never any conflict there was of course attempts by taksin to to curry favor with wachirelon gohan by paying off his gambling debts according to many sources in the in the media but since taksin was overthrown it's the military that have been controlling the succession and to be honest it's the military and the elites and the elite politicians who have always used and controlled the monarchy mainly via the privy council which is full of ex military men so in my mind there was never any any doubt as to the succession in terms of the succession obviously you've been uh, proven right has there been any difference with the new prince like is he allied to a different faction or is he very much still a figurehead and as you like said the power the real power rests in other places like the privy council he's very much a figurehead in some senses he's weaker than his father because his father had been promoted and therefore had more legitimacy in the eyes of a lot of people his father was also someone who was careful in his personal behavior whereas Wachirelon Gohan is well known for his ill treatment of women and his um the fact that really he's only interested in himself now previous to the him becoming king taksin had indicated that Wachirelon um, Gohan was more open to changing the Les Majesty law um I never believed this but a lot of red shirts and taksin supporters were pinning all their hopes on a change with Wachirelon Gohan coming to the throne and this has been proved not to be the case the Les Majesty charges against people have carried on and that has been an increase ever since the military came to power Wachirelon Gohan spends most of his time or would like to spend most of his time in his palace in Germany where he um entertains or is entertained by a number of women some of these women have now received the military ranks at his request and this is really behind there was a request by the new king to make some adjustment to the military constitution and this was so that he could decide whether or not someone could be a stand who could be the stand in the region when he was out of the country um this was incorrectly portrayed as the king the new king using his power but it wasn't it was about him wanting to to spend most of his time in germany and this indicates the his, his mindset really is not interested in the state affairs in thai society he is interested in enjoying himself in in germany and you can also see this in the way that his behavior towards ordinary thai people in the last few months have been at least two degree ceremonies where he's been handing out the degrees 
and he hasn't bothered to turn up till about midnight or late in the night, leaving people to wait for hours and hours to to receive their their um, degrees. And and there's a videos of him turning up late with his second dog or his new dog trotting behind him. I mean, the whole thing indicates he doesn't give a damn about the Thai people. He really would rather not have to do all the duties of the monarchy, but would but still enjoys the crown and all its wealth. You mentioned about Taksin and the red shirts in some of your comments, and we'll come back to those later on. But I just want to look again at, at the military junta that's in power now. So from what you've said, it would seem that, that really the military junta now has even more power than, than before. I don't think it has even more power. I mean, previous king was totally incapacitated in hospital, and I never believed he, he had any real power anyway. So I think that the power of the military has continued, the power of the junta has continued, and this is why we see no real change, because the real people who are in power haven't changed, and the figurehead, the head of state has changed, but nothing's changed in, in terms of the real power structure within Thai society. But what what is happening is that the head of the junta, self-appointed General Minisimo Rayut, has been using um, Section 44 of his, his military constitution, which basically allows him to order things without going through any pretend rubber stamp parliaments to appoint or dismiss people to send the police into the Tamakai temple to, to do all sorts of things. Basically, he's, he's just ruling by decree. And this really shows that um, in some ways he's playing with fire because he cannot avoid being criticized when these decrees go wrong. But of course, he wants to appear to be a strong man, getting things done, etc., etc., which is quite ironic, really, because a lot of the middle-class people who hated Thaksin sort of accused him of, of the same kind of behavior, although Thaksin was always democratically elected. So, uh, Bayut's playing with fire. Um, he hasn't really solved anything. And um, using Section 44 of the Constitution, of the military's Constitution, basically means that there are no checks and balances at all. He, he's really ruling like some 1970s or 1960s um, general in the third world. You've mentioned about the, um, the opposition before and also about the continuation and the increase in the use of repressive laws in Thailand, which we've reported on before. How would you analyse the opposition in Thailand at the present moment, not just the remnants of their red shirts or of any new groups that have come up since the military coup? The Red Shirts as an opposition have ceased to exist. And the main reason behind this is that Thaksin and his fellow politicians within the country have really put a stop to all political activity by the Red Shirts. And after a while, then the, a movement like that tends to disintegrate. Social movements cannot just 
exist without activity. So the red shirts really are, are not a force to be reckoned with in terms of creating democratic space. That doesn't mean that the individuals who used to be part of the movement won't play a part in the future. Unfortunately, a lot of people are worried about being called into military camps. Whenever people are active, then the activists get called into military camps. And in the case of um, the young student Pai, Pai Daodin, from, from the Daodin group, he was punished by the military by having a Les Majesty charge slapped on him, and he's now in prison and facing a terrible future under the Les Majesty law. Now, the problem is that the I don't believe that the military junta is particularly popular among ordinary Thai people. It may be popular among some of the middle classes, but the opposition is atomized. And this is partly because those who are prepared to be active don't believe in forming uh, mass movements. They don't believe in political parties either. And what they what they think is the way forward is um, symbolic protests by handfuls of people. Unfortunately, that doesn't get rid of them a military junta or, or expand the democratic space. They hope that by these symbolic gestures that they might it might sort of be a spark that leads to to more people becoming involved. But but unfortunately, nothing's automatic, and um, you do have to to build social movements and you need to build social movements which are linked and embedded within the organized working class as well because if the working class moves then it's very difficult to to actually use military repression it would be more difficult to repress a number of mass strikes than it would be to gun down people protesting in the streets we certainly agree with the need for organisation and the involvement of the labour movement. As a final question, and, and really following from what you've said about the state of the opposition within Thailand, do you see any role internationally for labour activists, human rights activists to play to help um, activists within Thailand? Well, I think that one thing that, that activists outside Thailand can do is to, to highlight the Les Majesty law and keep highlighting the political prisoners um, so that they're not forgotten. Of course, that helps, but the military junta in Thailand doesn't really take a great deal of notice, unfortunately, of what people say. But it's important that these people aren't forgotten. It's important that the you know, repressive laws aren't forgotten and so on. And it does give some kind of moral support to those that are, are trying to fight back. I think that um, in the end, it's up to the Thai people to, to have to overthrow the, the military junta and expand the democratic space. But what I think has been very clear throughout decades is that... Um, when social movements in one country score victories, this is then noticed by people within Thailand. And I think that, that that's very, 
very important. So another aspect of what people can do within um, Australia or other countries is to make sure that the labour movements um, within your own countries are strong and also to, to campaign against um, racism and, and the anti-immigration um, rhetoric of of your governments, because all these things are pushing back against backward policies, the pushing forward of labor rights, of welfare and everything else, that kind of thing can be used as an example and can give moral support to people who are trying to fight within Thailand. Well, thank you very much, uh, Jai, for that analysis, and we'll certainly keep um, abreast with the news from Thailand and we certainly won't forget uh, all those people who are in prison and exiled so thank you very much Thank you And that was an interview I conducted with Jai Ung Pakon who is a exiled Thai activist from Thailand and that's really the end of the program for today. It's just almost on half past 9am and the um, Palestine Remembered show will come up straight after we finish up. Uh, Giselle, isn't that right? That's right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Saturday with more news and current affairs from the Asia-Pacific region. And that was uh, Giselle and, uh, well, you know, it's always good to say... Wrap up the show, I'm going. You're listening to 3CR Radio, Asia Pacific Currents, and we'll be back next week. Have a great weekend and stay tuned for Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.